This is the Horse Radio Network. Trouble on the Burley cross-country course has sparked a deeper conversation about safety and eventing. This week, we're talking about balancing safety devices and pushing the technical boundaries of cross-country, our favorite healthy snacks for horse shows, and our favorite tips and tricks for hacking outside the arena. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Mag, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome, Welcome to Happy, to Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Justine Griffin. I'm Jessica Payne. And I'm Ellie Wozniaka. Welcome to episode 57 of Heels Down Happy Hour. Hey, guys. Hi. How's it going? Welcome back to the U.S., Jess, after Burley, um, huh? I know. It was a good trip. I mean, not ideal what we liked, but it's still, that place is incredible. It was so much fun. Your photos are just unbelievable. It just looks gorgeous. Oh, it was, it is an incredible place to go to. It is something that everybody should put on their bucket list for sure. Did Doug get trapped anywhere else? No, basically... Uh, no, not really, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will talk more about it. Yeah, um, exactly. But I feel like we probably need a drink first. Absolutely. Before we have this conversation, everybody definitely needs to pour themselves a drink. Well, I have a drink that Justine's going to like. All right, tell me about it. So, Justine, this is inspired by your love of pumpkin spice. Um, it's a pumpkin spice Moscow mule. So what you're going to do is you're going to take, well, you need half a cup of pumpkin pie vodka, which I didn't know existed, but that sounds fantastic. I didn't um, even know that existed, but it sounds <laughs> fantastic. One fourth cup apple cider, which is my, f I'm more of a apple cider girl. So this is something I totally get behind. 12 ounces of um, ginger beer. So just like one normal can. Pumpkin spice for garnish and cinnamon sticks for garnish. So you fill your traditional copper mugs with ice. This is for two. You divide the vodka and the apple cider between the two mugs and then top off with the ginger beer. Then you can sprinkle a little pumpkin spice on top and garnish with a cinnamon stick. Okay, this sounds perfect. Yeah. Like, just delicious. I'm, I'm really into this one. <laughs> This is the folliest drink I think we've ever had. Absolutely. I think it's perfect. Seriously. It's right I up Justine's alley. Yeah, and, and you know, I I mean, Jess, you probably get a little of foliage down there, but do you, I don't think Justine can appreciate the New England uh, foliage while drinking this drink, but that sounds like the perfect thing to do. Well, that's the best part about this drink is because it's a cold drink and you can pour it over ice. So even when it's yeah, 95, it exactly, it'll be 95 degrees out next month in October and I can still drink this drink. So. Yes. And carve your pumpkins and it'll be okay. <laughs> in shorts. Yep. <laughs> so this episode is brought to you by Smart Pack. If you didn't know this already, SmartPak has increased its coverage for Colicare, which means their Colicare reimbursement program is up to $10,000. The best thing about Colicare is it's free. It can be used on your own horse or in conjunction with your any equine insurance plan you already have, and it even covers senior horses with no upper age limit. You shouldn't have to worry about your best friend, and that's what I love most about SmartPak. If you want to know more, you can go to smartpackequine.com. All right, guys, it's time for news. Ellie, what do you got for us? So I've got something light to kind of start us off with. Have you guys seen the mini horse and the goose that were, so they wanted to be adopted out together from the Bucks County SPCA, which is up in my state? No. Okay, so it's so cute, and the news has kind of been following them because um, they're, like, in love, um, which is just such an odd pairing. And they just got adopted, which is super exciting, and they're now adopted together by a couple named Nick and Maddie. And the horse, I guess, was abused before the SBCA, and 
now he's like learning how to be a horse again. And he is now best friends with all of the chickens on Nick and Maddie's farm. He calls like back and forth to him. It's so cute. So maybe he's part bird. No judgment here. <laughs> and his the goose has like this bromance with Nick, his new owner. So it's super cool and just such a happy story. And there's a really cute video of them that we'll put in the show notes. Oh my goodness. So I first saw the story when they were looking, they were advertising the the two of them together looking for a home and the photos were just like melt your heart. You know what I mean? Like they're just adorably cute together. Yes. And they're going to keep like a little Instagram to like follow them too. It's um good enough farm. So it's just like literally an Instagram dedicated to Hemingway, who is the goose and waffles, who is the mini horse. Oh my gosh, Aww. waffles. <laughs> I love that. Oh, and he's wicked cute too. All right, Jess, so what do you got? So I was going to talk to you guys because, yes, we just got back from coming over from Burley. And it was, like I said, it was an incredible experience. Like the, the event itself is just amazing. I think everybody needs to have this event on their bucket list. as like a must see because between the vendor row, like you can go shopping, different food, I mean, you could live in Vendor Row, honestly, and never see a horse. It's so spectacular. And then you have the amazing venue that itself, like, you know, it's got the castle in the background and everything else. You have the English countryside. And they have, like, over 80,000 people on cross-country day. So it is, it's just a must-see, honestly. So that is, that is not my news, but that is just basically, it was so much fun going over there and watching. And so that was it. But to talk to you guys about it is... What we watched was, yes, Burley was a tough course and it is a five-star and it is going to be one of the biggest. And so you expect that. But what we didn't expect was when we walked the course, you know, we're kind of thinking about Quinn and mine and everything. We knew that you always are kind of, you know, thinking about different routes and what's going to be, not what's going to cause problems, but like where you're going to really have to be on it because that kind of is that horse's sort of situation or whatever. So when we were walking, we knew that something, if it was going to go wrong, it was most likely going to be at the trout hatchery, which was at the water complex with a bunch of open oxers or the maltings, which is where the big white famous oxers are. I mean, they've been there for a couple of years, but this time in particular, they kind of all came up together. So it was a lot of big open oxers. And some of the times I didn't think that Quinn was, you know, going to see the back rail or whatever. And same with Doug and in Quinn's like show experience, like in show jumping, if he's going to, I mean, the thing has an incredible show jump record, but if he's going to have a rail in the show jumping, it's going to be the back rail of an oxer. He just sometimes like doesn't see it and he puts down, he doesn't just follow through behind. So kind of walking that, you know, Doug's like, okay, I'm going to have to have enough power. I'm going to have to come through the turn and I'm going to, you know, be on it. So they get it. So the trot hatchery goes well. He has the big trocaner, goes well, comes up to the big first oxer, and he's good. And the horse drifts left over the oxer, and it puts him on the inside line. And so he has to, like, pull out, kind of loses the power, and then Quinn just can't get across and breaks the back rail of the big white oxer. And so thankfully, they're both okay, but that happened to a lot of combinations. Like, that kind of, there were a lot of broken pins there. But that being said, like, the amount of trouble that was seen on the course is, like, actually caused an uproar through like this whole eventing community. Have you guys kind of heard about it yet? Yeah. I mean, especially over the weekend after cross country, I mean, they were saying it was kind of amazing how many pairs were eliminated, right? Just because they had trouble on cross country. And so do you think, so the, the fence that Quinn and Doug had trouble on was a frangible pin fence. Did they have a lot of fences on the course that had the safety technology? Yes, they had a ton of them. And that was kind of, yes, you want to have as many safety technology and stuff, but they didn't have kind of the big oxers. uh, So the big tables that you kind of gallop down to, they used a lot of like the safety devices and did it pretty technical. And so normally, like, I guess I was actually talking to like Mark Phillips about it, that last year, the big white oxers were just coming off a big straight line. And this time they were on like a big turn. And so it made it harder because the turn kind of lost a lot of their energy. And those oxers in particular, weren't the ones that we actually 
walk the course. And yes, we thought that if Quinn's going to have a problem, he's going to have the back rail and all this. But the ones that we were actually concerned about that Doug actually went to, probably people don't know, but Doug went to the TD and was concerned that horses weren't going to read the double gates at the very end. And they did have frangible pins as well. Uh, They had clips. But that basically, the way they, there's this whole thing and that's what this, this sport is going in so many great directions with safety, but they're still needing to go more and more, if that makes sense, because there's now a debate like about like ground lines, if they see them and all this, and these gates were very upright. And they basically, this is what Doug went and was like, look, he was concerned for the other horses. Like, he's like, okay, my horses, you know, that he reads that pretty well. That wasn't his top concern, but he went to the TD saying, look, I think there are going to be several horses that misread this and that that's, they're going to have trouble. So, I mean, unfortunately at the end of the day, Doug was right. Cause they didn't change anything. They thought, no, you're fine. Like, you know, we're going to go forward. And Doug's on a safety committee through the USCA. And so he views all these things all the time. And so he's like, look, this is not what we're going to want. And so even though the gates were frangible, it caused a lot of problems and they had multiple horse falls there. So I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of safety committees that are now talking about it. And I don't think you're going to really see those combinations anymore because there were the amount of like broken pins and falls and everything else through out the whole course of Burley was pretty high, like higher than what anybody kind of expected. So, and I saw some riders, you know, more European riders, you know, who are based out there make comments like this is the biggest, one of the biggest tracks in the world. Uh, only the best riders should do it, but there is a safety concern. And I know, I know Doug has spoken out about it in the past and he's been pretty public about it, posting on his Facebook about fences that didn't have ground lines, like you're saying. So, so what is the, the happy medium there? Do you just think that some of the, they're just because fences have safety pins and things like that in place doesn't make them safer. If they're, if the horse can't read the question, is that the problem? Well, and I think a little bit of that, and I think that going forward, like you just hope that, you know, future course designers. And, and I'm sure like there's tons going on right now, like thinking about it and everything else, but a lot of like the officials and it it goes down, the officials are kind of like final as well. It's everybody involved that they don't rely on those safety devices to be pushing the course's technical boundaries. So in a sense, like, you know, they're just going to have to kind of play with it. Like the terrain plays part of it at Burley. Like it's one of the biggest things. And yes, this is a five-star and it is one of the top. And And sadly, like Doug's performance, it didn't happen. But like at the same time, like, you know, with any luck, we'll go back and try to tackle it again. Like it's not because of that, but you just don't want to see falls and deaths and everything else. And that's what Doug and I are so like adamant about with safety is because it's not that you don't want to make it any easier. You still want really tough things. And, and funny enough, like, yes, in hindsight, there are things that you could do differently for Doug, but that's not the safety one that Doug was going to the committee saying, look, yes, there were a lot more issues there, but that at the end of the day, I don't think that's the problem. It was the gates that he had the bigger problem with saying, look, I don't think this is where, you know, and a lot of, yeah, European riders are like, it's fine. It's whatever. But the same time, like you don't want to put the horse's welfare and everything else to a degree where, they can get hurt. And that's kind of where they're at, like right now pushing it, that you kind of have the old school, you know, going back and forth at it, I guess, not really the old school, but it's just kind of their, their forward thinking. And a lot of course designers, I do have to say, like talking to Mark and stuff, they are forward thinking and they're going about the safety and they're trying to do more and more. Mm -hmm. So it will be interesting what kind of comes out like the next couple times because then we went to Mark Phillips had a great course at try on. That was like, we were there last weekend and that by the way, was probably one of the top events here. It was run so well and they did all the courses on the golf course. So they are trying and it's just, you know, you hope people kind of keep trying and keep going at it. Absolutely. It'll be, yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens next. Like you said, like what, what do designers, what do you, TDs, what do even the safety committees come up with next after having lived that experience, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just a live and learn and move past it and kind of grow from it and move forward. But yeah, there was a lot that we didn't, you know, you didn't think that that was going to come when you kind of walked. The course was tough and everything else, but it ended up 
causing a lot more problems than I think everybody thought. Yeah. Interesting. I hope that more writers like are like Doug too and not afraid to, you know, mention that these things are concerning. You know, I feel like that's that's worrisome that the European writers are kind of like brushing it off, you know. And I hate to say it's the European writers because there's American writers. There's everybody that does it. But you need and there's a lot of European writers that do step up and have a lot of safety concerns. But as a whole, like, I think it's hard for writers to go you know, they say in all the meetings, everything step up and I want you to say something. And then it's hard when the officials then don't help you, you know, so then it makes people kind of sometimes discouraged to say things. And, you know, I just think in the end, we need to keep having a voice as riders and everything else that everybody steps up and says, look, this is not what I'm comfortable with. And people, you know, and then you have officials that start listening and everything. Absolutely. So, Justine, what do you have? So, as you guys know, we weathered Hurricane Dorian down here in Florida just a few weeks ago. Florida was very lucky in that we were spared from the brunt of the storm. And my heart goes out to everybody in the Bahamas as we're dealing with the aftermath of what turned out to be a really terrible, slow-moving hurricane. Uh, But a really interesting kind of bright story that came out of the hurricane coverage was the wild horses in North Carolina. The Corolla Wild Horse Fund. I don't know if you guys follow them on social media, but they post beautiful photos and updates of the wild horses on the Outer Banks out in North Carolina. And the herd out there weathered the storm just like wild horses have done for years and years. And that they just, you know, no one did anything in particular to to try to, you know, bring them in from the storm or anything. They just lived their lives like they do every day. And they, the storm came and went and they are totally fine really interesting though so you uh they posted a bunch of photos of them like in the rain and in the storm and you know how horses just kind of like park out with their heads you know with their ears back and their heads back in the storm and trying to like face away from it when they can well that's basically what they did and they just kind of grazed through the whole storm and they're they came out of it just fine so and it's fun so this cnn story that we'll link to in the show notes uh talks to some of the folks that keep an eye on them And this quote, I really appreciate, you know, as someone who has to always consider, like, do I leave my horse in or turn him out during a storm? You know, one of the leaders of this group just said, you know, the horses have been doing this for 500 years. Dorian was no big deal for them, which is kind (laughs) of cool to see, you know. So and just a good reminder when we try to micromanage our horses that, hey, they lived without us for a long time. They'll be fine. So... Yeah, my horses need to, like, read this article. (laughs) It drizzles, and they, like, stand in their shed. They're like, it's wet. Oh, my gosh. So funny. (laughs) Children. Little drama queens. Uh, Too funny. If you guys aren't already signed up for the Hills Down Brief, our email newsletter blast, you really need to sign up. We just wrapped up a fail week where Doug and several other writers shared some of their greatest fail stories. And it was really fun and educational to read. And soon we're going to be sharing stories from amateur writers from all over the world who share stories about falls that broke their confidence So if they had a really tough fall, whether they were injured or not, but how they got over the fear of falling again and got back in the saddle. And you can read those stories firsthand in the Heels Down Brief by signing up at bit.ly slash HD Brief. Okay, guys. So today we're going to review a product from one of my favorite companies, which is Pup and Pony Co., Jess and I, we've reviewed their halters and a few collections of their dog collars in the past, but they are back and better than ever with a new line. And everybody got a dog collar, right? Ellie, you got one too? Yeah. Yes. I'm in love. Oh my gosh. So this new dog collar we got is is the polo collar. So if you go to pupandponytagco.com and look up the pol- their polo collection... They have this beautiful dog collar. It comes in two different color schemes. One is like a white, baby blue, and navy threading. And then there's another one that is, it's a chocolate brown leather with gold and red and navy and blue threading. So I got the one that's the the white, baby blue, and navy. And it I put oh, it so on. Oh, so I got the other one. Oh, yeah, you I did? got the light blue. 
Okay. I, I love it. I think the colors are beautiful. I put it on my Greyhound, actually, and she is like a fawn color. Oh, and the, that'd be beautiful. Yeah, the blue just just pops. It looks so nice. And obviously, the gray, you know, Greyhounds are tough with collars. Normally, she, she wears a martingale collar because her head's so small that colors just <laughs> slip right over them. So it's not a color that I would use to walk her, but so we keep it as like her house collar. Um, but it, it's great. It fits her fine. She doesn't fling it off. And the quality of it is just so nice. Like the leather is beautiful. It's all real leather. And then Puff and Pony Co. also uses um, waxed threading. So the like the detail of the threading of the design is just really, really pretty. So I didn't get the light blue one. I got the red and yellow and like navy one uh-huh. and it looks, and it's a little bit darker. So on our black and tan bacon, our big, like fluffy dog, it looks beautiful with his coat. Like it is for the darker dogs like that. It looks amazing. I have to say. So, and the best part about it is you can buy a halter to match. So yes. my- Mikey and Josie, my little rescue dog from Puerto Rico, have the same bridal collection pieces, and they have like a their halter and their collar and their leash all match. But now I'm thinking I'm going to have to buy the polo halter so that Mikey can also match Tiki the Greyhound. <laughs> oh, I, I think for that's sure amazing. am. So I only got one collar, so my dogs have kind of been fighting over, like, who gets to wear the new collar. <laughs> so we've got, like, my black dog. I mean, it's like a black horse right you can have like anything on him but my my pitbull is kind of like a brindle but he's got like gray hair too he's just really odd i don't know what he's mixed with but it's some kind of unearthly creature and he i was actually really happy with how clean these got i mean like my dogs are barn dogs right so they get nasty muddy and this thing came I I don't know if it's because of the wax thread or what but it came so clean because I was so worried about the white and I was just really happy with it it's beautiful and I feel the quality of it is so nice that I think it'll it'll last forever you know it's not something that yeah you should take care of it and keep it clean but just the quality of it is really really nice that I think it it's super durable so if you're looking for, like, if you're, you got a friend or a, a family member who loves their dog, I feel like this is the best gift because it's such a nice collar. And I've never really seen anything, uh, anything quite like the quality. And you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to get this at a normal pet store. Pup and Pony Co. does just a really nice job. So again, if you want to check it out for yourself, you can go to pupandponytag.com. So I'm curious, you guys, what kind of food do you pack and eat when you're on the road at horse shows? How do you stay motivated and healthy? Because when I'm at horse shows, all I really want, I'm craving mozzarella sticks and like French fries and just gross food. So how do you guys stay healthy on the road? So I can kind of give you our tips because we're on the road a lot. So we've kind of had to play along because it's so easy to stop and just grab fast food and everything else that I've tried to throughout like the last couple of years, really try to be healthy about it. And I'm not saying I don't eat fast food because I do love me some Chick-fil-A, but (laughs) I've like gone about it that like basically now we've done with Hudson and everything else. And now with Airbnb and VRBO or whatever, where you can like rent houses, I found it easier to kind of pack ahead. And so then we're not having to like go find dinner and stuff like that. So we always make sure we have like water and Gatorade. Like I go to the store the day before and kind of like people do like meal preps and stuff. Like it's kind of like that, I guess. So I go like the day before and I get all the Gatorade and water and different, like just healthy drinks so that you're not grabbing sodas or whatever else there. So I always have like water Gatorade. And then we like the LaCroix, like uh, grapefruit. That's what everybody in our group drinks. So I do that. And then I like to find, um, those little nut packages that are like hundred cal, like all those hundred calorie little snack things that have nuts and raisins or trail mix kind of thing in them. So I'll get, um, I'll get the individually little packed ones for the horse shows. And then for the car ride, I'll get one of the containers that you can get like at any grocery store that has, sometimes I'll do the one with like M&Ms in it or something to be a little different, but it's got like different nuts, raisins, and then maybe a menins that we'll grab that while we're on the go. So like we don't stop and get 
candy or anything else at the gas station. We're eating it because it's already in the car. And we also, like, I try when I'm at the grocery store, I'll make, like, um, a chicken salad that I can put in the cooler because we always have big coolers. So I'll make a chicken salad. I'll bring fruits that are easy to grab, like either little um, oranges or I'll do grapes or blueberries, things like that that kind of hold, even if they get a little water in them. It doesn't matter. So I kind of pack things like that. And then lately we've been doing a little unhealthy, but I, I mean, I guess say it's like healthier than certain things, but I've been craving like banana bread or blueberry muffins. So I make those and stick them. The banana bread I'll like slice up and put with little napkins. And so you can just grab a piece of that, like when we're like hungry and on the go. Man, I'm just impressed by your organizational skills. But I guess you guys are like a well-oiled machine being on the road so often. And I think that like once you kind of get used to those snacks and everything that tastes good, you kind of just do it every time, you know? So like I've been up in like nine o'clock at night making sure the banana bread's done so that I can like pack it up for the morning. But it's kind of easy. Like I just do that. And if we leave really early, I, you know, we'll make a bacon, egg and cheese or whatever for the road and just stick it in aluminum foil and hit the road. So we don't have to stop. It saves time too. Oh, totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm very similar. So like when I'm packing the cooler for the horse show, I'm definitely big on trail mix. I'm a big dried fruit trail mix person. So like the dried banana chips. Oh, I love those. Yeah. With pistachios, things like that, like that salty sweet mix. Those are just great snacks to give you an energy boost. You know, like when you're in the middle of a long horse show day, I'm also a big iced coffee fan. So I'm really into cold brew now, which you can just buy from the grocery store and it's already in a bottle that you could just shove in the cooler. Um, Doug's obsessed with that right now. Yeah. I'm way into cold brew too, where it's just like literally ice in your coffee cup. And then you could just fill, fill it from the jug in the cooler. So I have a cup on my way to the horse show. I'll usually eat like a Greek yogurt and a cliff bar on the way to the horse show, but then I can refill my coffee when I get there. Cause it's cold and already in the cooler. And then I try to buy fruit that is hydrating and that both me and the horse can eat. So like he's big on watermelon So I'll buy a whole watermelon and slice it up and then have like slices that I leave for him and then like chunks in a, in a Ziploc container that I eat for myself. But yeah, I try to do a mix of, of like salty, you know what I mean? Cause you know, when you're sweaty and you're hot and you just like, you feel like I need something salty and then I'll drink water, but then also healthy fruits. And then my goat, my go-to alcohol for horse shows or anything that comes in a can now. So like I've done the can rosé. I'm also a big fan of White Claw for your horse show day. And that's pretty much it. But yeah, it's really horse shows. I wish it was easier to avoid like the cheeseburger stand. Right. But I mean, so hard. If you don't, if you don't bring your own food, that's what you're stuck with most of the time, or you're eating fast food, or you're like, it's always like the cracker barrel on the side of the highway, right? So yeah, which over time is not good if you're doing it all the time. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm sure you get sick of it. Exactly. It's the same stuff over and over again. But what about you, Ellie? Do you have any tips or certain things you like to do? Well, so I don't show very often, so I kind of splurge myself. I'm like, I go in and I get like beef jerky from the gas station. I'm horrible when it comes to horse shows. I think like that is like my Thanksgiving and my my right to eat nasty stuff, which is not something (laughs) I recommend. You know, like my mom, I remember as a child, like used to give me a jacket in the middle of like the summer to put over my pants because I would always get like greasy chicken nuggets or something from the stands. And she's like, you're going to ruin your pants. And so that unfortunately is carried into my adulthood, which sucks because I do not have the metabolism that I used to have. So (laughs) that's why I wanted to know what you guys, you know, did for horse shows because it, it is tough when that's all they have to offer there, you know? I mean, for, for me, it's always one, you got to stay hydrated. That's important. And then two, you want, you want energy, but not, um, you want food that are going to give you energy, but not like drag you down later, like a cheeseburger, you know, you're going to feel gross from a cheeseburger. Oh, you, you feel it. Yeah. I regret it every time, but I still do it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm like you two or like at the end of the horse show, I'm like, yeah, I can reward myself with something bad, but I try to try to stick with the, you know, like I'm not, you can't bring a salad to a horse show. I feel like that's something that would be difficult to eat. Right. So then you try to find 
other alternatives that are easy to eat, but aren't going to make you feel like crap. Like, I like the idea of, like, a chicken salad or something like that that you can prepare before and have. That's a good and idea. And it's so just... easy with the rotisserie chicken. I just do, like, a chicken salad with a rotisserie chicken. And I do apples and grapes with mayonnaise and stick it in the fridge the night before. You grab the Tupperware. And then I always have, like, just disposable forks so that, like, I'll half the time lose those. So I'll just grab a handful of those, stick them in the bag, and, like, that's how we go to the horse show. That's a really good idea. Yeah. yeah, I like I like the meal prep idea. You know, I'm like, we meal prep for our horses. So why wouldn't we meal prep for us for horse shows? Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, I'm not very, I'm not very good at the whole meal prep at home. But this on the horse shows, I've actually, I think I'm probably at the horse shows more. So I guess I have learned to meal prep. But it is, you kind of get in a system of what you want. And then it changes for the winter time. You know, you, you need something a little bit more hearty. But yeah. That's a great idea. So if you guys have your own horse show diet tips, favorite things you like to pack and eat, you should share them in the Facebook group, which is the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. I'm always open to ideas and new things I can add to my own my own packing skills. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, the International Podcast Day is coming up. If you don't know what that is, International Podcast Day is su- September 30th. The Horse Radio Network is going to be doing some fun stuff, but so are we at Heels Down Mag. Uh, And part of what we're doing is we are asking all of you lovely, loyal listeners to help support this show. If you love Heels Down Happy Hour, please consider donating to our show. We're doing a donation program right now. And if you donate to us, you will get really fun, super silly, but also really serious perks. So we're asking, you can donate any amount you can, and we're grateful for anything. But if you donate $40, you'll receive a special mention on the podcast. You'll be recognized on our list of greats in the Heels Down Brief. You'll get a special Instagram video shout out from your favorite Heels Down Happy Hour host. And you'll get some of our merch. We've got stickers, we've got shirts, we've got all kinds of goodies. If you feel even more generous and want to donate $70, $75 to the horse show, you'll get everything in the $40 category. Plus, you'll get a virtual flat riding lesson with Aless Jordan Gunderson, who we've had on the show before. She's a Grand Prix dressage rider who specializes in training show jumpers on the flat. And I'm going to, this is. <laughs> We'll see how how I can live up to this. But if you donate $75 to the show, I will make a video of me dancing in my heels down happy hour fanny pack and post it on the Internet for everyone to see and dedicate it to you. And you'll get to pick the song that I dance to. So up to you if you really want to see my dancing skills and put them (laughs) to the test. You can donate. We're taking donations via PayPal and we'll share the link in the show notes. And as always, we really appreciate you guys. We can't believe we've been on the air for as, you know, as long as we've been doing this. This is episode 57. It's awesome. So thank you so much for being a listener and enjoying the show. This writing tip segment is presented by Arena Saddles. For more information, go to arenasaddles.com. So we had a couple of people asking about what tips are for hacking outside of the arena. And I know you guys do a lot of hacking out too. So kind of curious what you guys' tips are for wanting to get the horses out. Like if your horse is bored in the arena, what exercises do you guys do in the fields? Ooh, do you want to go first, Justine? Why don't you go first? Because as the, you know, token hunter rider here, I'm probably the one who rides in the field the least. So. <laughs> So trail rides are a big thing for me. I It's really nice that I live in such a remote, secluded area and everybody kind of knows everybody. So you can ride on, you know, your neighbor's land and it's just kind of expected that you'll be there, you know, and everyone's really respectful of horses around here too. So like if there are quads and stuff, like they'll turn them off and like wait for you to be out of earshot, you know, which is really nice. Um, especially if you got like a horse that's not used to being outside of the arena. But so I really like just going up like the mountain trail behind my house and I can go all the way to a blueberry farm, which is about a mile and a half maybe. But it's like super cool because you can just ride and there's blueberries and I love blueberries. (laughs) And, you know, it's just nice for the horse to have some fresh scenery. But I think my... How do you... How do you handle horses that 
maybe are like, like you said, might spook at the quad or, you know what I mean? Like courses that are, you know, you're used to working in the arena, say all winter and then it's springtime and you can get outside. How do you handle horses that might be fresh outside in the field or, you know what I mean? Or, or might be green out on a trail. Is there any specific tips you can offer to riders who are dealing with that? Yeah. Go uphill first. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because by the time they get to the top, they won't be fresh anymore. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's really nice that I live on such an incline. So a lot of the times I kind of have to go down the road a little bit and that's when they'll be really antsy. And I've also like hand led them down the road and then, you know, gotten on from the ground and just ridden them as fast as they wanted to go up the mountain trail which is nice because it's pretty flat because of the quads and stuff. And I mean, by the time they get to the top, they're like, all right, uh, we can walk now. And I'm like, okay, let's just go for a stroll, you know? And it's so good for their hind ends and stuff too. I'm sure Jess can talk about that too. He'll work, but yeah, go uphill first. That's my advice. (laughs) If you don't have a hill, then I am out of answers. What about you, Justine? So, uh, yeah, I love riding outside and I think it's good. I think it's just good for their brains. Even as a horse that's mostly going to compete in the hunters, I try to go to hunter paces. We still go cross country schooling. The new farm I'm at has a beautiful, big jump field and that, you know, it's the first time I've been jumping consistently out in a field with, you know, brings its own challenges and unique, uh, unique riding, you know, things for me personally, I've got a horse that's way more forward now, right off the bat when I just come out to ride. But luckily my guy, my guy's pretty, you know, pretty great in the arena or out in the field. So I'm lucky that way, but I wonder, you know, are there benefits just to riding outside in a, in a field instead of an arena, even if it's just like a flat field or like what, why would you hack outside of the arena if you have the chance? Well, I think a lot of times it just gets the horses, they get tired of like, they almost get ring sour. So they get tired of like going around and around that it's a good opportunity to like, we have like a big jump field. So they jump in the field all the time and they go out and they go on hacks. It's really good fitness for them. So our big horses will go out like for just pure fitness. They'll go out for an hour plus just walking, just making sure they get that walking in. And if you can find a hill, like great, it's awesome for their hind end, like Elliot talked about, but The biggest thing for us is like, they just get a change of scenery and they actually become, I think, more rideable. So like if they get stuck in the ring, they get, you know, sometimes towards the gates hour or whatever else in the field, it's a big open field and they don't have that, you know, maybe they go back towards the barn or something, but basically we try to put them out in the field and not every field is flat. So then they have to kind of figure out their feet as well. And I think that's really important is that they're not always on that perfect footing and they have to figure out like their own feet and you have to have balance and everything else. So even if the terrain changes just a tiny bit, that does make a difference. So what are your favorite exercises to try out in the field? Like things that are, that are just good for the field, maybe, you know, better than an arena. So just like that terrain, like if it's not perfectly flat, like going and working on just basic walk, trot, canter and seeing if you can keep the balance at the canter and trot without them dumping on their forehand. And so they actually have to like, you know, if you put a pole or a little jump, you know, in that direction, it makes it more challenging than when it's on the flat. Sure. And what about for Jess, especially you as a trainer, what would you, what advice would you give to riders who maybe they get in their heads and they get a little nervous when they're outside the arena, you know, like, should they go gallop out in the field? Uh, and that makes them nervous. What, how uh, do try to how bring you a friend, around? try to bring okay. a friend. Cause a lot of times they're better with a friend. So if they can bring somebody that is a little bit calmer and then they can just start to get used to it. And if the more you can get out, the more you'll get used to it. That's true. It's a good idea. No, it's, um, this is the perfect time of year here in Florida to be riding outside. That's for sure. Yeah. Maybe maybe not for you, Ellie. I guess you're transitioning to indoor weather. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I mean, this is like ideal weather for me. I love when it's like high fifties. I'm more of a long sleeve kind of girl. So this is really great because the horses don't get as sweaty and stuff, but yeah, unfortunately it's time to come inside, but there's also no bugs. So I probably have like a month left of solid trail riding where I don't have to worry about horse flies. So that's a plus. Nice. But another great thing to do outside, if you guys have the access to it, I mean, I do it with my jumpers as well, is just follow a cow around. 
even if you don't have like a cow horse just to like i it's the weirdest thing okay i know it sounds crazy but just to follow the cow around and kind of play with the cow it's i think it's really entertaining for the horses and my jumper loves it and he doesn't know what he's doing but he has a good time oh my gosh that's so funny i had a i had a gelding down in south florida it was a hanoverian breeding farm and they had cows in the pasture next to them so we used to cool out in the cow pasture and the babies the calves were always so intrigued you know when the horse was in their pasture and they'd come running up and my gelding just loved it (laughs) It yeah right yeah they're like oh look at these are my little toys like they think it's great yeah it's so funny oh my goodness So this segment is brought to you by Arena Saddles. If you want to know more about Arena, you can go to arenasaddles.com. So if you guys still haven't gotten on the EIS shirt van wagon, you need to. These shirts are designed for energetic people in need of high performance sun protection. The sun protection is like up to like 50 plus UPF and reduces your body temp by like five degrees, which is huge, especially when it's hot. Check out all of EIS's new colors and styles on their website, eis-wear.com. So, guys, it's that time. It's Rose and Thorn. Who wants to go first? I have mine if you want. Why don't you go, Jess? Okay. So, I'm going to start off with my Thorn this time. So, obviously, Burley, the outcome wasn't ideal, and everybody probably think that that would be my Thorn, but I got to tell you, The jet lag coming home this time with the baby and everything, that was harder because Mm. the first couple days, like just getting in the sleep habit, honestly, like we would get him to bed at seven o'clock, but then he'd wake up at two or three and then we were exhausted. And like, we just basically didn't sleep for like the first three days that we were home. And then we basically got home and went straight to a horse show. So it was kind of hard to like get adjusted, but now we're finally back on track and on sleep schedule and everybody's happy but that is definitely my thorn from the last couple weeks so that was very tough and then my rose was we did come home to a horse show and we were thinking usually we come home and we go to a jumper show because it's easier and all this but with the schedule we had to come home to the event which makes it a little harder but we came home to try on did that first event they've never done it's called blue ridge And it was on the weekend and they ran, I said earlier in the episode that they ran everything on on the cross country course on the golf course. And it was surprising. I mean, not that I don't love Tryon and it's a great place and stuff, but like it was surprisingly, it's like one of our favorite events. The footing was amazing. It was so well run. Normally we don't like being back in like barn seven because it's like all the way at the end, but the way they had it set up because there was a couple other horse shows going on as well. We had like the dressage rings right in front of us and just the footing was perfect. And they also did Saturday night lights, which they usually like live stream and all this. They did live stream it, but this time they did it for all the preliminary intermediate and advanced horses. So like our kids got to jump under the lights on Saturday night in front of like the huge crowd. So it was it was an incredible event that um, it's new and I hope people start to learn about it, but it was, it was truly a lot of fun. Like you don't usually say after a 14, 15 hour show day that like, Oh, that was great. Like we had a blast and we had so much fun. So that's definitely going to be my rose. That's awesome. That is awesome. It was a great event and, and our baby horse won the advance. So that's always just like a little like plus, but the, yeah, the whole event as a whole, just the fact that they could go and do it under the lights and everything else was super cool for all those kids and everything. Absolutely. What about you, Ellie? Well, my thorn is kind of gross. And unfortunately it was something that dog owners have to do, but it was not something I wanted to do. I had to express my dog's anal glands as her um, vet recommendation And I didn't want to pay them $60 to do it. So I'm thinking I'm going to pay them $60 to do it next time. Um, Wait, so so you did it yourself? I did. Yeah, it's actually not very difficult at all. I did it outside, which I highly recommend. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm not sure I want to know more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's weird how different 
like horse poop and dog poop is. It really is. Oh, because oh, it's I can't. Whole different kind of thing. But anyway, my rose is that I'm finally getting my office done in the house. So it had like some really nasty old carpet and like a really bad paint job when we moved in. And we're, we tore up the carpet and we got like this um, like wood engineered floor. And like I painted the walls and I've got like a desk and everything all set up, like ready to go in once we get the floors done. So I'm really excited because I've been using uh, our dining room table as an office since January, which is fine for me, but also like really annoying when we have company and stuff. So that's my rose is that eventually that's going to be done. <laughs> it might be my thorn later when it's still not done, but right now it's a rose. What about you? Yeah. I love having a home office, so I'm happy for you. It'll make, it'll change your life. So um, for me, I guess, so I'm going to a horse show this weekend and it's both a rose and a thorn. Um, just his favorite kind of rose and thorn that I do. <laughs> and that right. <laughs> but it's finally starting to cool off here where I feel comfortable enough that I can ask my horse for a little bit more work. And yeah, so we're, we're taking it easy this show, but the goal is uh, really to start moving up. And I'm working with this new trainer that's really kicking my butt and finding all the holes in me riding by myself for so long. So I just, I feel like this is going to be our year. I feel really good about it. So, but on the other hand, um, so I'm going to this horse show and my husband took a new job a couple months ago, which requires him to travel. So he'll be in Iowa for the Iowa caucuses this weekend. And so we're watching his parents' dog as well. So my in-laws are going to be in Hong Kong and we have their dogs. So it's like me alone in the house with three dogs and three chickens and trying to horse show at the same time. And I don't know how I'm going to do everything, like how I'm going to make sure all the animals are alive and not pooping in the house and fed and put away and not eaten by coyotes and still horse show. Cause you know, how horse shows go like you just disappear for 12 hours and I don't know how I'm going to do it all. We're going to have to call some neighbors for some backup. I think you but need some help. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like Rover yeah. or something. To... I know. Luckily the dogs are great. I'm not, I'm not so worried about the dogs, but you know, when you're at a, the horse show is like far and, Enough away where I considered getting a hotel, but I don't think a hotel is going to let me check in with three dogs and three chickens. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to be doing a lot of driving. (laughs) If there was, that's the hotel for me with all the cats. I know, right? You and your cats. (laughs) Jeez. I don't know what's worse, right? The cats or the the anal glands. (laughs) (laughs) But my fat cat lost half a pound, guys. She's He's cruising. Getting somewhere. There you go. <laughs> More than me. So uh, Too funny. All right. So we've got this mailbag from Courtney, which is a really great one. And I'm really curious to hear both of your perspective on this. So I'm going to read her message really quickly. Courtney says she wants to know, is it better to train with a great trainer or more of like a good trainer? She can't afford the 95 dressage lessons regularly with the Grand Prix trainer in her area. So right now she's going there like once a month max because of her budget. And then there's another trainer that's a little bit closer to her that's trained through fourth level pre-St. George, who's only $45. With that budget, she could ride with that trainer two to three times a month. So she's definitely interested in getting more instruction in dressage, but is wondering what, I guess, which trainer would be better? More instruction more often or more high quality instruction less often? So I I don't know, Jess, do you want to tackle this one first? Yeah, I think, I think this is a really good topic because I think it's going to vary from person to person. I think it just depends on what you're getting out. Like if you're getting way more from the bigger trainer and you can kind of do homework and everything else and that's all you need to do is go once a month, then I would do that. And you think that you're progressing through that. But if it's all about how the person says stuff to you as well. So if you're getting a lot more and you can go more frequently, then go to the one that's not as experienced because they both have more experience than you have. So they're still teaching you. So I think it's which one kind of gets through to you better and you can progress faster with whatever one in whatever situation. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And sort of similar to what I was going to say, I think 
depending on what riding level you're at, can you stick with the, maybe not the Grand Prix trainer now and help use the other trainer to get you to a specific level. So then maybe once you're more proficient and you feel more confident that you would get more out of your lessons with the Grand Prix trainer, once you have that base, I mean, that's how I would do it. I think like I would get the greeny stuff, get my foundation with the trainer that isn't going to cost me an arm and a leg. And then once I feel confident in my skills, I'd probably reach out to the Grand Prix trainer. Yeah, or I use both of them. Mean, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, just just dabble in both and see which one you like better. I mean, because you can you can pay a whole lot for a lesson, and what they say just won't doesn't you know, get through to you. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and and I would say just make sure that their programs kind of coincide with each other. You don't want to be jumping and getting confused if you do go to both of them, because I think that you want to make sure that whatever program you pick is kind of all making sense. And maybe it is a little bit of both. So I think you kind of, like I said, it's every situation is different, but I think you want to make sure you are progressing in the fastest way for you. So whether that can be a little bit of both or one or the other, or like Justine said, you do one and then move to it, but make sure you're understanding and that you can progress with it, whichever one it is. Yeah. That's good advice, Jess. Absolutely. And that you're understanding it. Cause there's a lot of like really good trainers and really not good trainers. It doesn't matter if you don't understand what they're saying. It doesn't matter if you're paying an arm and leg or you're not paying an arm and leg. Both sides are bad. Right. Sure. If you're not getting it. So if you have a question for us and you'd like for us to answer it on air, you can send us an email by going to hello at heelsdownmedia.com. Or you can always post in our Facebook group, which is the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. And if you want to hear from more from us, you should really subscribe to the Heels Down Brief. You can do that by going to bit.ly slash hdbrief. And our many thanks to this week's partners, which are Smart Pack, Arena Saddles, and EIS. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.